Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. This is your host, Ryan Venice. We are recording on site as we wrap up the 2022 National Agent Summit. Uh, and as we're wrapping up here, you might hear a little banging in the background as uh, they're taking down some of the equipment. But it is safe to say we have learned a lot and had some fun in between. But before we leave Kansas City, we have a very special interview for you. Sitting with me far away is Tara Smith. <laughs> Tara is an executive vice president for Michael Torrey and Associates, which works for the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau, or CURB. Tara, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Appreciate yes. it. Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself and then please tell us a little bit about what CURB or the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau does. Sure. Um, I'm a farm kid from central Illinois. I grew up on a corn and bean farm, but have uh, spent the last 25 years in Washington, D.C., working on farm policy issues and advocating on behalf of farmers in the ag industry just in general. Um, part of that includes doing work for the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau. Um, we advocate on behalf of crop insurance companies, the reinsurance industry, brokers, and basically all others who support protecting and preserving the crop insurance program. Excellent. And I've actually had uh, the opportunity to be involved with CURB as well. Uh, CURB has a program called the Emerging Leaders Program, which gives um, AIP uh, folks uh, a chance to go and visit the Hill and actually meet with politicians and Tara is an excellent resource. I just remember her being a Rolodex of all House uh, representatives, senators, and pretty much every one of their opponents as well. So uh, very sharp when it comes to that. But the election has just wrapped up. It is November 10th. Uh, so we're two days after the election. So high level, what is the aftermath right now? I know it's not even done yet, but uh, where do we sit? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think we're sitting where anybody expected us to be sitting. Um, we still have, um, we don't have majorities decided in either the House or the Senate, although we're pretty darn close to having majority decided on the House side. I think it's pretty clear at this point in time that Republicans are likely to take the House, but the margin's going to be really slim. Um, the Senate still TBD. We have three races that are undecided and uh, we're right at that 50-50 mark. So um, we're in a bit of a different situation with a lot of folks having predicted a, a red wave and mm -hmm. some pretty clear outcomes. Um, instead, we have a little bit of uncertainty for a while. Gotcha. Well, let's turn uh, the conversation towards the Farm Bill. It expires at the end of September of 2023. But as you had mentioned, actually, in your talk with us earlier, the, the real deadline date is is the 31st of December in 23. What has to get done for a new farm bill to come actually in 2023 or for past 2023? <laughs> yeah, we do have a little bit of a fudge room, if you will, on that September 30th to December 31st before it's we're actually going to hit a situation where farmers are going to miss any payments per se. Um, but we've got a lot to get done, right? I mean, I think um, we're going to have a lot more hearings that we we need to do and that folks want to do on the Hill. They've got to put pen to paper 
and actually write the bill. It's got to go through committee, be passed out of committee. We've got to pass it on the floor in both the House and the Senate. They've got to conference the House and Senate bills, and we got to pass them again um, and ultimately get a presidential signature. So that's a lot of steps to take in a really short amount of time. Um, they are going to have their work cut out for them, but I think we're all cheering them on in hopes that they get it done. Awesome. All right. All right. If they aren't able to get it done, that would likely result in an extension of the farm bill. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, typically what they'll do is they'll do an extension for some period of time, a month, two months, three months, however long they think it'll take to get something done and across the finish line. Um, they, you know, they It's a balancing act between um, wanting to provide a deadline that's relatively short to encourage folks to get the work done, but at the same time, wanting to provide some certainty to farmers mm -hmm. and ranchers in the countryside. Got it. Got it. So because of your involvement with CURB, what do you see as some of the biggest threats for crop insurance as we start talking about a new farm bill? Yeah, I mean, I think we see a lot of the same attacks on the program, if you will, every farm bill. So for better or worse, um, we sort of can predict what the play is going to be. Um, folks often try to go after the premium discount that farmers get when they purchase a policy. Um, quite frankly, if you're looking to get money out of the program, that's where most of the money is. So that's where they'll go. Um, folks also like to go after the private sector delivery system. So they'll go after A&O or underwriting gains. And then means testing is a, a constant battle for us during farm bills where folks want to put some sort of adjusted gross income cap on eligibility for policies. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So obviously some, some things to be aware of that could be a threat to crop insurance. What do we as an industry have to do or what kind of efforts do we have to make to try and defend the program best we can? Yeah, we've spent about a decade as CURB building out a crop insurance coalition so that we've got lots of voices singing from the same song sheet to protect and preserve the program. But I think for individuals, just getting involved is really important. Um, making sure your voice is heard, um, joining a trade association, uh, whether you're an agent and it's an association like SEPA or the Big Eye, or whether you're uh, a company and you're you're getting involved in something like CURB, just making sure that members of Congress are hearing from you, that you have those relationships. And when they have questions about crop insurance, they're coming to you and not folks who might be opposing the program. Gotcha. One thing that we're hearing more and more of uh, with the current uh, administration is climate being a theme within not just crop insurance, but ag policy in general. How do you see or from the crop insurance perspective, what are some things we want to keep in mind or what's the, the message we want to tell about possible climate policy entering into crop insurance? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the most important things to remember is that we are as crop insurance, the first line of defense against climate change for yeah. farmers. And so therefore it's really important to maintain um, the program and to protect and preserve that program. I think that we are going to see a lot of creative ways to combine conservation and climate policy with crop insurance. I think as an industry, there are a couple of really important things to keep in mind. Um, first, that we need to maintain the actuarial soundness of the program. It is really the foundation. It's the integrity of the program. Um, and that's sort of a bright red line in the sand, bright red line if you will, or a line in the sand, whichever you would like it to be, as I mix my metaphors. Um, I think it's also important to keep in mind that we don't want to see a bunch of additional mandates 
on our farmer customers. Um, our farmers don't want those mandates. We don't want to be the policeman um, on the ground for those mandates. Um, and we also want to make sure that if there are incentives put into the program in some way, shape, or form that maintains actuarial soundness and doesn't provide mandates, um, that we're funding those not by taking money through from crop insurance, but by coming up with it in other places. Sure. Um, maybe tell me a little bit about that math when you talk about coming up with the money in other places. I remember from my time in CURB, it was always budget neutral, budget neutral. What does that mean for crop insurance when we think about adding new programs or things? We, we have to stay within a certain parameters. Can you help, uh, help our audience understand that? Yeah. I mean, every farm bill has a little bit different dynamic. In 14, we were tasked with cutting a lot of money, $23 billion at the end of the day. Um, in 18, the mantra was budget neutral. Um, I think we don't exactly know what the mantra is going to be this farm bill. Um, I think it could be folks are looking for cuts, especially if we have Republicans with gavels. We've already heard a lot of those Republicans really talk about needing to cut the deficit. So I think the question is, are they going to try to do some of that work in a farm bill? Um, or do we get a pass on those sorts of efforts? Um, but we do have um, the ability to move money and shift amounts of money from within certain programs to other places. So, you know, you can do a budget neutral farm bill and still create new programs. It just requires prioritization um, around the programs that already exist and where that money should come from. See, speaking of money, in your talk today, you mentioned that there has been over the past five or six years, you can correct me on that one, about $70 billion coming from ad hoc disaster programs. That would be WIP, ERP, or ERP, uh, MFP, CFAP, all of those programs, $70 billion, which in the same time frame was actually more money uh, than what was spent on crop insurance. Um, tell me about how those programs, those ad hoc disaster programs, help or hurt the crop insurance program um, itself. Yeah, $70 billion was sort of my back of the envelope number. Um, sure. So the bottom line being, it's been a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think it just, it highlights a question that we need to ask heading into this farm bill, which is, is the safety net that we have that exists today adequate? Because quite frankly, that kind of spending on an ad hoc basis is probably not sustainable and if it's not going to be sustainable, what do we need to do to make sure our farmers are protected the way they need to be protected? Um, obviously, uh, there are a lot of different paths you could take to do that. One of them could be um, beefing up in some way, shape or form crop insurance. Um, I think that as Congress looks at different options and looks at ways to do that, um, we just want to be sure that what they're looking at isn't going to discourage farmers from purchasing crop insurance. Basically, we have a program today that most farmers will tell you works really well and they really like. And so we don't want to see um, the creation of some new program that may or may not work um, on the back of a program that works and works really well. Right, right. Most definitely. So Obviously, I think uh, our audience here would like to protect the crop insurance program as much as possible. What are the best ways either farmers or agents can help show their support for the program? Yeah, get engaged. And, you know, 
there will be really important times during this debate where we may have an amendment come up on the floor that's going to cut crop insurance, or we may have you know, proposals come out that would be really harmful to the program. And just being prepared to, to take action when that happens, coming to D.C., visiting with lawmakers, those are all really important things because um, I think the industry uh, between agents and the companies, we have a really good team of lobbyists in D.C., um, the group as a whole, but we're not voters in these districts mm-hmm. and you all are. And so making sure that members of Congress aren't just hearing from us, but they're hearing from their constituents is just going to be really important. Great. Great information there. Tara, thank you so much for joining. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for our audience, please remember to subscribe to the FMH InsureCast on whatever platform you are listening to this on and have a great day. Thank you. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.